Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So today we're going to just do something a little bit um, unorthodox, and, and everyone's like, oh boy, what does that mean? Because Mark loves to do unorthodox things. And, and that is to say, I want you to sort of, I want you to sort of, you know, like kind of stretch out your arms. I know some of you kind of like neighbors sitting next to you, but just kind of stretch out your arms a little bit and, and just, yeah, I, I, people are like, what sort of madness and sorcery is this? Just, yeah, just do this, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you see right now other than the feeling of awkwardness, right? It's a feeling of awkwardness. If you're at home, please do it. You know, maybe you'll hit the chandelier or something. I don't know. But see, it, everybody's like, when can we stop, right? It feels awkward, doesn't it? You can, you can stop if you want. If you want to continue, feel free. It feels awkward because it's not our normal culture, not our normal practice. Everybody's like, I thought I was going, I didn't know I was going to the Pentecostal church today. We, we follow Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit, so we're always Pentecostal, right? But the idea is, is, that, is that when we do something that makes us feel uncomfortable, immediately we're kind of like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, right? Everything in the scripture reading today, if you allow it to really, if you allow, it, if you allow the words to come into you, will make you and me uncomfortable, will make you and me feel very awkward. Because think about this. So you need to know, a lot of people don't know this about me, I'm an introvert. They're like, wow, that's really strange. Why would you get up in front of people and talk? I'm still asking God that same question. So, but he made me do it, so we're doing it. But an introvert, what you need to know about an introvert is someone who, who doesn't, who is not energized by crowds or being with other people. An extrovert, they, they, if they're not with people, they start to feel like depressed, right? My son Aaron, he's an extrovert. And during the lockdown, he was like, when can we go somewhere? And, you know, like, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, we're okay. We're good. Just chill. And so, so you have this kind of thing. An introvert does not like to be around other people. An extrovert does. And, you know, I've trained myself to enjoy it, but I still need to have those times alone. Now, the Bible is saying, hey, introverts, you're going to get really uncomfortable because I want everyone to be together. All of them. How many of them? All of them. And the extroverts are like, yay, except even the extroverts don't always appreciate all of them. Because now I want you to think of something. We've thought about something that's uncomfortable and awkward. Now I want you to think of a person that makes you feel uncomfortable and awkward. Do you know any people that do? I bet you do. I've found I've never met anyone who doesn't know someone who makes them feel uncomfortable and awkward. At the very least, you can think of politicians who do. You know, there's, there's some of those. Regardless of which side of the aisle you might be on, and wherever you may land in the realm of those, th of those thoughts, you can think of someone that makes you feel uncomfortable. And see, now you need to know that God's plan is that you and I would spend all of eternity on a brand new earth with them. And he doesn't want to wait until the day of judgment for that to begin. He wants it to begin today. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, that was the day that the new creation began. It was what the ancient church would call the eighth day of creation. You know, in six days, God created the earth, and it was good. And on the sixth day, he created humanity, and he said, that's very good. They are very good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. 
Well, on the evening of the seventh day, humanity got rolling and they messed everything up and it's been trouble in the world ever since until Jesus came. He, if you read the Old Testament, the whole story from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament is the story of humanity rejecting God. And God said, I'm going, there's going to come a day when there's a new humanity. There's going to come a day when everything, all of that will be undone. And that day, when we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four books of the New Testament, began when Jesus was born. It began and it continued when he died on the cross, and it got rolling when he walked out of the tomb. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He's also writing to the church in Branson and in every other town, in every other place. And the Holy Spirit has carried him to speak to them and to us so that we would understand that without Jesus, with no Jesus equals no hope. Look at what he says when he's talking to the people who didn't grow up in church. This is what he was talking. He's like, you didn't ever go to synagogue. You were not Jews. You were Gentiles. In the Bible, the word Gentile, or as we saw in this scripture, uncircumcised, which was a pejorative term, very similar to words you can think of that are racially charged words, okay? You, you understand what I'm saying? We're all on the same wavelength. Think of a racially charged word, and people inside the, of, the God, of the community of God would call the people outside a pejorative term. In Hebrew, they would refer to them as the goyim, and you can just kind of hear it, the goyim, right? And so, with that, and so look at what he says. He, Paul acknowledges that if you were the goyim, if you were the Gentiles, if you were the outsiders, you were at that time separated from Christ. Look at, and I've even, I put a little numbers on them so we can list all the terrible things that that meant. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. A lot of Christians get very confused about, well, should we support Israel? I'm like, well, I'm looking at Israel, so yes, we should. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Number two, strangers to the covenants of promise. The covenants of promise, like where the Lord would say, all who call on the name of the Lord, specifically in Hebrew, all who call on the name of Yahweh will be saved. And, and then, and then this, this, this business of the, the covenants, like, well, I can't be in the covenant because I'm not a descendant of Abraham. Look what he says. You had no hope. Without, without, without any of this, without Jesus in particular, no hope. We have no hope. We have no God, no true God, no living God, no God that lives. We all have gods. It's whoever or whatever we put our trust in. That's what our God is. And so he's saying that, at that time, you were separated from Christ, and when you were separated from Christ, these are the things you didn't have. You didn't have any of these things. I didn't have any of these things. Look at verse 13. I don't know if you've seen the bumper sticker, no Jesus, no hope, but K, no Jesus, K, no hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. It was because you were good people. That's what it says, isn't it? Oh, it isn't what it says. It's because you had clean living. It's because you did more, you tried harder, you got better. It isn't what it says. In fact, I don't see any of us on the list in terms of how it happened. Who is on the list of how it happened? You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Something that happened outside of you and me. Somewhere my professor, maybe he'll feel a little warm, fuzzy, as I say, extra nos, right? That's a Latin word, a Latin phrase that means it's outside of us, right? It happened to us. We did not do this. We've seen in Ephesians, Paul just, he won't let go of this topic. 
because he started in chapter 1. We saw a few weeks ago, he said, you were actually chosen in him before the foundation of the earth. And everybody's like, how's that work? He didn't tell us. But he said, that's what the facts are. The announcement of the good news is that you were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth. And now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm reminded of First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, which says, all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. If you ever hear someone say this, something like this, sometimes preachers and teachers, they'll get a little off track and they'll say this. They'll say, um, those promises were only for Israel. And I understand that. There, there, there's an old teaching that's like there was two peoples of God. Everything we're reading today says, no, there's one new humanity. And how are we made into one new humanity? It's in Christ Jesus, and it's by his blood. By his blood. Take a look at verse 14. I love this statement because a lot of people will say, if we could just get along, we would have peace. If we could just get better education, we would have peace. If we could just, you know, all see the right ideology, we would have peace which is just the same thing. If you all would just listen to Mark Hunsaker, you would have peace. No, 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 no. Don't listen to Mark. Listen to the Bible. Listen to God's word spoken to you and me through his servants, which includes a Yehu like me, who is an introvert doing it nonetheless, and saying, he, Jesus, is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Any scenario where someone says, we will just have peace if... If the answer to that if, if the result of that if statement is not Jesus, then for the programmers in the room, that subroutine will crash. And we see it every day in our world. It's not more education. It's not more this, more of that, this better, that better. It's Jesus. He himself is our peace. Here in a minute, you and I are going to eat and drink the flesh and the blood And that doesn't make any sense. And yet Jesus himself said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have a part of me. You will not have life. And here we are, we're going to do that. He himself is our peace. Isn't it interesting? Even for those who can't be here today to take the Lord's Supper, we can receive the promises of God, the word of God that says in Jesus, we have peace. We have restoration. We have hope. He himself is our peace who has made us both one, both, that is, the insider, the outsider, the Jew, the Gentile, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He himself is our peace who has made us both, what's that red word? One. Remember how we were feeling awkward a minute ago? I want you to see when he, it's, it's so easy if I'm like, when he, you know, I look at my wife and I say, oh, yeah, we're going to be one. Or I look at my kids or my best friends or the, all the people who think I'm great. That's easy to be one with them. Now, I want you to think, if you're a Republican, think of the Democrat. If you're a Democrat, think of the Republican. If you're an Independent, think of any of them, right? If you're, if you're, you see what I'm saying. You see what I'm doing. If you, are, if you are in one racial family and you think of the other racial family that you think is doing everything wrong right now, if you are, if you are a minority or a majority or an minority or an onority or whatever it is, if you're just weird like me, think of how those people are really not those people but they are us. This is, what he's, this is what he wants. 
He has made us both one. And he has broken down in his flesh. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, guys, that's a blue word with an underline on it. If you were on a web page, you'd know that's a hyperlink, right? You'd click it, and it would take you to somewhere else. It would, it would take you to another article, another web post or a blog, blog post. In this case, if you click that, it's going to take you to the book of Exodus chapter 40, among other chapters. And you're going to see that there was this thing called the tabernacle, which then you would link to later on when it was called the temple. And then you'd link to later on to the time of Jesus. And by that time, the, there was an inner court and an outer court. And the outer court had a wall that you couldn't come into the inner court. If you were not born from Abraham's DNA, you couldn't come into the inner court. You couldn't be close to God. And if, even if you were born of Abraham, you had to do all the Levitical rituals to become ritually pure so that you could be close to God. And if you hadn't been, well, how shall we say, purified, you couldn't come into God's presence without great danger unto yourself. Jesus has torn all of that down. The dividing wall is the wall which separates people from God and one another. Take a look at verse 15. Unite. Nullifying the commandments and decrees in the Torah. The Torah is, this is Mark's literal version, by the way, MLV. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, and it's what Paul called the law. In the Torah, so that from the two, he could create one new humanity in himself, making peace. God's way of solving the unity issue, of solving the disunity problem, of solving the hatred that exists between humans for all kinds of reasons that we invent. All kinds of reasons that we invent. Because I don't know if you guys knew this, but you won't really find a lot of racial profiling in the Bible. <laughs> You'll find Jews and Gentiles, which was a distinction God created for a very particular purpose to bring the Messiah to the world so that he could do this. But everyone's descended from... Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, right? All of, all of the people are. And Noah was one of the sons of Adam and Eve, one of the grandchildren, you might say. So the idea is to say this. One humanity was created on the earth. That one humanity rejected God and created all these distinctions and divisions and what we call nations or ethnicities or peoples. And all of those peoples have their own idea of how to fix things, and this is God's idea. He wants to take away what we consider to be the things that define right and wrong, our behavior. He nullified it. So if you sit there and think, well, I'm a good person, and those people are bad people. Anybody here ever feel that way? You ever look over there and say, they're bad. If you think you haven't, check your social feed. I bet you said it recently. Or you thought it, or you felt it, right? With me, I'm, you know, since, I am, since I am in a role of standing up and talking, there's a lot of times I'm on social media, I'm like, I really want to tweet or, or, or put something here, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> because it doesn't help anything. Because guess what? I'm just contributing to the problem when I do that. I'm not saying you can't ever say anything on social media, but you see what we are saying. The reason that the nullifying 
of the Torah was part of this process was so that we don't look at each other and I don't have to look at someone else and say, well, they don't keep the law. Because if I, if I measure people based on their behavior, then I'm measuring people according to what ultimately becomes my standard. And God is saying, I will handle the standards. I will fulfill the law in Jesus. I will take the punishment that was meant for you and for, and for this guy too. And God said, I will take it upon myself in my son, Lord Jesus. And then I will say to you, here is the law. Love your neighbor. It's always what the law was. The law has never changed. But the, the, the specific requirements that said you had to do it a certain way and fulfill it in this particular aspect or that particular aspect, or you can't eat certain foods, or you can't be with certain people in certain situations, and you can't touch bodily fluids and all these different things, wipe your nose, right? You can't, you know, all those kinds of things. Now he's like, no, 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 no. One word, Jesus. One name by which all men and women and children shall be saved. Jesus. And he did all of this so that there would be one new humanity. Now, this is a great challenge for you and me because we're not, our, we're not all going to march out the door and go, yay, I love everybody now. This is the problem that we have. Sin still exists in our bodies, right? And we're going to struggle with this. But the prayer and the hope today is that we would struggle with this. Do you catch me when I say that? If, if, in other words, if I go out the door and I, look at, and I look at someone who is not like me and I'm like, yep, there they are again, and we come up with that label, whatever label swells up in our heart and our mind, and we're like, there you go, that at that point we would start to struggle. You tracking with me? That we would start to struggle. That we would start to struggle and we would remember God's plan is this. This is God's plan. You know, what do we do about racial tension? Pray, cry out to Jesus, and love our neighbor. It's not rocket science, but it might as well be because it's so easy to say and it's so hard to do, which is why we gotta keep rolling in this passage. We gotta keep going because Jesus is making peace by actually making new creation. Take a look at verses 19 and 20. This is the power of the gospel. So you, then you, he says to you, he's talking to the outsiders in Ephesus, the people who didn't know anything about any of this. If you're like, Mark, I never even read the Bible. Well, then this is what you should hear because that's what he was saying to them. I don't know anything about anything. And he look at what he says. He says, so you, then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are, what is that word? Fellow citizens. Now this is dramatic and it's radical. There was no way you could be a citizen of Israel without being in the, in the country of Israel, without being brought into the family of Israel. And here he says, oh, you're, you're now a citizen. You're a fellow citizen with the saints, God's people, and you are members of the household. So he wants to make sure there's like, you know, he's like, I don't want you to think, oh, well, they're just citizens, but they're still not family. Oh, yes, they are. They're members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There's a hyperlink, right? The apostles and the prophets. So he's wanting you to go back and read Isaiah. You might want to read Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, that there would be this servant that would come who it would be a light unto the Gentiles. Some of the Lutherans in the room have sung that a few times. 
and, and, you've, and if you've probably heard it a little bit in some of the Christmas music that you sing from, some time, from time to time. This idea that you, you go back and you read uh, Isaiah 41 and 42 and 43, and you see it's too small a thing. Too small a thing for me just to save Jacob. Too small a thing, God says. I want all people. They're all his children. I've heard people say, oh, there's no such thing as all God's children. And I'm like, what? what? Read the Bible. Read the apostles and the prophets and let the word of God wash over you. Most people say, I don't believe the Bible because there's too many contradictions. I'm like, which ones? And they're like, I can't remember because they didn't read it. Read God's word. Let his word transform and create the new humanity beginning with you and me. This is where it starts. Because when you let these words permeate your heart, he says Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Christ Jesus himself is the one who makes this. He himself is our peace. If there's a problem in the Bible, the answer to it is Jesus. That's what this is saying. If there's something that's unresolved, it's a tension, it's a conflict, look to Jesus. If you're reading something in the Bible, you don't understand it, read it through Jesus. Look at the cross and the empty tomb and it all unlocks. It all becomes clear because his plan all along was to bring you and me into his household. And this is the power of the gospel. It helps us see the world in a whole new way. It helps us see humanity in a new way. We're not done yet. Verses 21 and 22. It's his building. As people in a brand new building, this is relevant language here. In whom? So Jesus is the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into, oh, there's that hyperlink, a holy temple. See, when you go back and you read Exodus, it's, right, it's literally like chapters 25 through 40. And you're, you're getting lost in it because God is literally giving Moses like architectural plans and he's doing like the interior decorating and he's saying where to put the flowers and where to put the, the light stand and where to put the bread, the, bread, the, the bread of the presence and all of the different things that are going to go into this building. And, and, he, and then you, 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 you follow the story through the Old Testament, you're like, they are serious about that temple. Like, they are like all in on that temple. Like, they devote all of their money and their time and their energy to the temple. To the temple. Guys, I ain't talking about the building anymore. I hope you catch that. Because he isn't. His people joined together Christ himself as the cornerstone grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You know, I have to tell it, this is just, you know, we just have to say it. In our own church body, there's there's been this big argument, right? Because everybody thinks they're right. Well, what's interesting is, is what if we took these words literally? I'm kind of crazy that way. I think we should take the Bible literally. I think we should let the words say what they say. And what they're saying is church is not a building. I want you to imagine the first 400 years of Christianity. In the first 400 years of Christianity, there were no churches in terms of buildings. All the churches were the people. And they would meet in secret and in hiding because Christianity was illegal. Christianity had no political influence. Christianity was this bizarre sect or cult, as it was called by those in the culture. Kind of getting called that a little bit too these days. 
And God himself was this idea. They look, he says, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. If we're gathered online, we are very much gathered in worship. If we're gathered in person, we are very much gathered in worship. Jesus said where two or three are gathered, I am there with them. He didn't say they have to be within 10 feet of each other. That's a joke. It didn't work, but it was a joke. And so it didn't work. See, Mark's an introvert. He doesn't know how to tell jokes. But the point is this. In him, you and I are also being built together into a dwelling place for God's spirit. So, you want to feel awkward with me? Let's feel awkward. Come on, do it one more time. You can do it. Just like, oh, yeah, we're awkward. We're weird. We're holy. That's the biblical word for awkward. And we have this dream in our hearts, this faith, that God's actually going to do this, that he's actually going to create one new humanity. And this is the crazy part, guys. He wants to do it in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we feel awkward. We feel strange because we're in a place and in a time where we feel like no one would ever think this way. No one would ever even listen to any of this. I pray that you would take that lie and throw it out. And I pray that instead we would become examples of this, that others would look at and see, even just a little bit, what's going on with those guys? That they would see that your plan all along is to create one new humanity to tear down the dividing wall, to nullify our idea that we would judge people, that instead we would look at all people as forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And that by looking at other people and saying forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, we are actually creating unity by your spirit. Not by our power, but by your spirit. Because of your word. His name is Jesus. And it's in his name we pray because he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen, amen, amen.